Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm burn out. I tell them I'm not like the rest of us. Hi guys, welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. I'm your host, Kenzie Elizabeth. I'm sorry about my voice. I lost it about a week ago and this seems to be about as good as it's going to get. Today's episode is so exciting. We have baseball legend Daryl Strawberry on. He has a crazy life story. We talk about the MLB, we talk about addiction, drugs, um, his life before, his life transformation, divorce, cancer, jail. I mean, we really get into all of it. He has a new book out as well called Turn Your Season Around, How God Transforms Your Life. I loved the book. I love Daryl. I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I enjoy talking with him. As always, if you guys like the episode, be sure to leave a nice little rating interview, join the Facebook group, follow the Instagram, all that stuff. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so excited to be talking with you. I finished your book actually yesterday. It was so good. Well, thank you, Kenzie. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and thanks for reaching out to have me on your show. Of course. Also, my family is from St. Louis. I was actually born there. So it's so funny. (laughs) Well, St. Louis is a great place to be born and and to live. And, uh, you know, the people here are just, they're really incredible. They're amazing people. Midwestern people are just fun people. So nice. I love it there. Okay. So something that you say often that I really, really love is My pain led me to my greatness. My greatness would eventually lead me to my destructive behavior, which I think is so powerful. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, I think it's because of the pain, who we are. You know, we grew up and, you know, I grew up in a dysfunctional home. My father was alcoholic and kind of rejected me and beat the crap out of me and left me for dead. And, you know, there was real pain there. So my pain eventually led me to be great. You know, I I told myself that I wanted to be great playing Major League Baseball and you know, I would show my father, you know, that I would turn out to be something. And eventually I would turn out to be that. But also I always say your greatness will lead you into your destructive behavior, because if you're not well on the inside, it doesn't matter. You know, no, no matter how much success you have, how many things you accumulate from an earthly standpoint, it's just stuff, you know, and at the end of the day, it really is meaningless. And I think all of us don't realize that at the time we think it's going to satisfy our soul but really it doesn't satisfy your soul. It just means that you have more stuff than other people and you live a different life than other people. But I think we all search inside for happiness on the inside of ourselves, And we try to find it in so many different things 
to satisfy our soul, you know, and I, I did for so many years playing Major League Baseball for 17 years and accomplishing so many great things. But also at the end of the day, when it all came down to it, I was empty on the inside and I needed more to fill me on the inside. And I was missing out on the real peace that I needed. And that was the God peace. You know, I, like I said, I don't really thump anybody over the head. You know, I'm a strong believer in who I am and I'm a minister of the gospel. But uh, I know for me experiencing that life that I did, you know, fame and fortune, I, it, it darn near killed me. When you were, you know, reaching for things and trying to fill a void, do you think you were aware that you felt empty and that you were trying to fill a void? Or do you think that you just thought that was the life that you were supposed to live? Well, I always knew it was the emptiness there. You always knew from the outside what I looked like was very shallow. You know, uh, everybody look at you from the outside and think you have it all together. But I knew on the inside that that I did. And I knew that there was real rooted issues there. You know, I had a broken relationship with my father and you know, I had a loving mother who who went home early to be with the Lord. She passed away at the age of 55. And then I buried my sister at the age of 51. And here it is me, you know, having cancer too. And, you know, why did I get to live? You know, I always questioned that with God. Why did you keep me over them? They were so much more better than I was living here. And, but in the, in the end of it, you know, I realized that he had a far greater plan that would create such a stir up in people's lives, you know, when they see me that I would become a different person. And, you know, I always knew that the inside was broken, you know, I just needed to get it healed on the inside. Do you think you were looking to those things for healing, like the drugs, the girls, the alcohol? Was that something that you were trying to like heal you almost? Or were you just trying at that point, like I'm just giving in? No, I think it was just all a part of the journey. You know, we all have a journey that we're going to come here in life and we're going to face so many trials and tribulations and temptations. And it's like, don't sit around and be a victim. I think too many people sit around and be a victim. I, I could have sat around and been a victim of that, but I'm not, I'm an overcomer, you know, by the blood of the lamb I'm overcome because of what Christ did on the cross for me. So when I realized that, you know, that all those things that I were trying to make me happy, none of them was never making me happy. It was just a, it was just a separated life. And it wasn't until I connected to Christ and you know, I came there and I started living the purpose, you know, the reason why we created it. You know, we just, we all come here and we think we created for success. Yeah, we are created for great success. No question about it, Kenzie. I believe all of us are created for that. But at the same time, it is the great purpose that God created all of us to, to do something great for him and stand for him and, and have a purpose and a platform to be able to let people see that he's the reason why we live. Because without him, you know, we don't live. If he decided to call my name and say it's over, it's over. You know, if he wanted to, I mean, he could have said that long time ago with me, you know, with cancer and drug addiction and all the things I was going through, he could have said it was over, you know, that's it. That's your last call, you know, but he didn't. And he spared me and I'm grateful that he spared me and allowed me to have a platform to have a voice today to reach the multitude of people. That's actually something I wanted to touch on was that you do not have victim mentality at all. There's so many things that you've gone through in your life that could have easily really just taken you out for good. Was this a conscious decision that you made? And do you feel like you had victim mentality at early ages? Was it something that kind of changed when you met God? Like what in you made you aware of like not having a victim mentality? I think I had it growing up. I think it was from my mother. My mother raised five of us by herself. She was a beautiful woman. And I just give her so much credit for raising five of us. And the thing about it is, you know, as I sit here, I, I know she raised me right. So it wasn't no excuse for me to like, you know, venture off and, and get lost, you know, yeah, because she raised, she did raise me right. 
she was a wonderful woman who raised five kids by herself and she raised us right and she raised us how to respect people and live right and talk right and be right to people. But I made a choice, you know, I made a conscious decision to live a sinful heathen life. You know, that's just the way it is. You know, that's the way it was for me. And it was my choice. You, know, you have a free will to make that choice or you have a will to really live according to the principles. And I just didn't live according to the principles. I lived according to the flesh. And for me, living according to the flesh, it was very costly to me, you know, in my life. It, it played out publicly in front of the public eyes, you know. And the platform is incredible that you have in the public eyes. And if you can live it according to a different way, people are going to always have something to say, whichever way you live it. You know, I lived in a heathen way back then. Now I'm living in a godly way. Now they have something to say because I don't live a life separated from God. And that's all I really talk about it these days. And so I realized that they're going to talk about you no matter who you are, what you are, and what kind of life you live. You have to come to that conclusion in your life. What is the number one and most important thing for you to live your life and how you're going to live your life? Guys, I have found my new favorite jewelry brand. It is Ana Luisa. You may have seen them recently on Instagram. I feel like they're blowing up right now. There's a few reasons as to why they're my favorite brand on top of me being obsessed with the pieces, okay? So they work with handcrafted jewelry that comes in limited batches. So this ensures the highest production standards while also eliminating excessive waste, okay? They're also carbon neutral, which means that the brand offsets 100% of their carbon emissions. They also have exceptional quality, and if something happens to the jewelry, the brand offers a 365-day warranty. That is insane. I am so excited to be partnering with them on this podcast. I have been living in their Cora earrings, okay? These are so cute. You have to look them up on the website. I know I've shown them in vlogs recently. There are these gold earrings that kind of look like a paperclip, but they have a heart locket at the bottom. They are so cute. They're really cute on their own. They're also really cute if you're going to stack earrings, which I really love doing. I've honestly been wearing them like every single day and I've been showing everyone because I think I'm like the coolest, most popular girl now that I have the coolest earrings, you know? Another reason I love the brand is yes, it's perfect for yourself, but it's also great as gifts. My love language as far as how I give love or show love is gift giving. And I'm always talking about this on the podcast, right? This is my new go-to place for every single gift for every single person in my life because I'm that obsessed. They also have very fair prices with jewelry starting at just $39. There's new jewelry collections released every Friday and I have a discount code for you guys, okay? So you guys can use the code I love you to get 10% off all products, right? That's analuisa.com slash I love you. Again, analuisa.com slash I love you. Go treat yourself and your loved ones and use my code I love you to get 10% off. I cannot recommend them enough. They're such a great brand and they have the most beautiful, sustainable jewelry. So go check out analuisa.com slash I love you. Code I love you. You were obviously like the picture of success. You had seven appearances on the cover of Sports Illustrated, four World Series titles, seven years in the MLB, eight-time All-Star. I mean, like a baseball legend to say the least. I was actually reading something too, and this was online somewhere, and it said it leading to many narratives about his massive potential going unfulfilled, which I thought is so crazy because it's wild to see what God has done in your life, especially because I would not say that at all. You know, I think maybe in a world sense of like how they view it, maybe in baseball, but I think the complete opposite is actually what happened, but because you were able to actually surrender, which I want to talk a lot about like the healing process and how you actually like grew your relationship with God and your faith, because 
I think a lot of people are confused, but it is just crazy how that was something that was said. And I'm like, I actually don't think so. <laughs> You're right about that. I mean, I never thought that way. You know, of course, that's, the, that's what they think about. They think about the potential of you being an athlete and you, you performing and doing more and more and, and, and reaching more. And so many of them reach so much more that you can't never find God. They really believe that they don't need God, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, your last breath will be, you know, when you go meet God and he's going to ask you, what did you do? You're going to say, well, I achieved all these earthly things. He's not going to be talking about these earthly things. He's not concerned about that. I think so many people don't understand it. And so, so many people that write about these type of things don't understand the purpose of life. They just think it's, it's supposed to be fulfilling these promises here, uh, what man believes you're supposed to fulfill. And when you fulfill them, then what's next? They talk about you when you even fulfill them. So what, what difference does it make? You know, they're totally wrong about it because there's a greater, greater purpose for every last one of us because we were created for a greater purpose and a greater promises over our life. You know, when we understand the principles, but you'll never understand that unless you understand the principles because you'll be still chasing after all the earthly success. You know, what people don't understand what the Bible says, like, Kenzie, heaven and earth is going to pass away, but not my word. That means me, you, and everything else is going to pass away. But God's word will always be here for somebody else to pick it up and find their way. I think that's where the media and people write about they're just so wrong. They just don't have a clue. They don't have an idea because they think, well, you know, you take on a new level of life, you know, after baseball and all the things I accomplished, they see me now. And they rather not talk about who I am today. They rather see me not be who I am today. And they rather that I fall and they're waiting for the fall because I know they've been waiting. They say, well, let's see how long this will last when I said I was going to walk this way. And it's been 18 years and I never look back, you know, and then, and they're still waiting and they're wondering, well, is he really different? Why is he so different now? And it's because I had a complete transformation and man can't give it to you. Only God can give it to you himself. I want to talk a lot about the process of you then to you now, because I think sometimes people will look at it and they either want to grow their faith or they want, you know, the emotional healing or the freedom that you're currently walking in. And all they see are like the headlines, right? So they only see either like the big baseball, like legend or now like evangelist, and they don't really see the in-between. So I want to talk a little bit about the restoration process. You said in your book, the restoration process is just the beginning. So where do you go from there? Like when when did you actually finally decide, like, okay, I'm going to, you know, kind of try to start following God? Well, I always knew by watching my mother, because my mother was a prime example of raising five kids by herself, living a Christian life. Um, after divorcing my father, she never remarried, and she never fell into a long-term relationship with anybody again, and we watched her and saw that. And we just saw her being in church and we saw her living a different way and we saw her loving all kind of people and helping all kind of people. And we knew it was good because she was doing it from her heart. And, and I realized then that, you know, that one day, you know, maybe I'll be able to walk like that. I just knew I couldn't be that person in my career, you know, because I, I was completely lost, you know, I was completely separated from any foundation, any principles. So I think it was a process. It's not an overnight miracle. I think everybody wondered, well, how did this all happen? How did you get like this? It wasn't an overnight miracle. It was from the trials and tribulations, from addiction, from cancer twice and losing my left kidney and being locked up in, in a Florida state prison uh, with a T17169 because of addiction and realizing, Kenzie, that God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. 
through that whole process. And when I realized that, you know, I came to a point and how did I come to a point? Well, God sent this beautiful woman in my life. And that's my wife, Tracy. He sent her in my life when I was struggling with addiction. I was shooting dope, smoking crack down in South Florida. She was banging on house, banging on dope house doors, pulling me out of places and saying, God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for your life. I says, why don't you just leave me here? And, and you and that God let me die. And she was like, you just not that lucky, you know? And, <laughs> and she's, she's my wife today. And we've been, I mean, she's got 21 years in recovery. I got 18. She saved me. God used her to bring me back into church. And she led me back into church. And then our life started, you know, at the bottom. See what most people don't understand. We started at the bottom. I was $3 million in debt and didn't have a driver's license. So she started at the bottom with me while everybody else was gone. The money was gone. The fame was gone. She was there when it was nothing there. And she, she believed in me. She believed that God had a plan for us. And God used her to lead me back in the church. And when I got back in the church, God sat me for seven years and made me get disciples. And I used to always watch her. And I was jealous of her relationship that she had with God. And I was just like, she just loves God. And she doesn't live a life like for worldly, worldly life anymore. And she introduced me to all different kinds of things. She introduced me to Walmart, something I never knew anything about, like out of shop. <laughs> out of South Bend. So it was just some incredible things that happened that brought such great joy to my life, you know, through her and God used her to guide me and steer me on this road to freedom. I would say to freedom and peace and joy and, and purpose. It's a great purpose, you know, a life that a lot of us don't even know about. And she was able to lead me into the purpose that God created me for. So I'm forever grateful for, you know, her, her love that she has for me. I love that so much. I think when people talk about freedom or talk about healing, especially in a faith context, because obviously like we both know our own journeys, our own stories, like what God has walked us through, how he's healed us, things like that. It's not as easy to be as maybe practical about it and give like practical tips. But do you have things that you were doing when you were trying to kind of get back on track? Like, were you like reading the word? Were you praying? Like, what were some like practical, tangible steps that you would give to someone who's maybe in a similar position? I think the most important thing is, is to separate yourself from worldly things. If you really want to, if you really want to go on a road of a transformation, you're going to have to separate yourself from worldly people. Uh, you just can't run with people that you used to run with when you were this other person. I think that was a big step for me is to, to be able to get a transformation. You're going to have to change. And I think that a lot of times people don't want to make that change. They were like, well, these are my friends. No, well, if they're really your friends, they they will be clapping for you when you're making when you're making a real change because you're no longer hanging out in places that you know you don't have no business of hanging out. And so I think those are real steps that I started to take was I started separating myself from people. And you know, I lost a lot of people that I thought were really friends. You know, you you'll you'll really find out who's who when you decide that you're going to walk this walk with God and you're going to be a different person and you're no longer going to live like that. You're no longer going to entertain worldly things, but you're going to entertain like, you know, studying, staying home and reading the Bible for yourself and staying away. And it gets lonely. Yeah. It was a very lonely time when I was going through that process, but at the end, it is the most satisfying process that I ever been through in my life because I became a different person. And at the end of the day, that's what it all boils down to. No man can change you. Only God can change you. A man can predict, you know, what he wants about your future or who you are. He can predict that, but that, that doesn't change you. He cannot change you. So the changing process comes through you making the changes 
and becoming a different person and seeing yourself different. And I had to see myself different. I couldn't see myself. My wife was so, so cute. She was so cute. I couldn't see myself. She was like, when are you going to ever take that baseball uniform off and not be Daryl Strawberry, the baseball player anymore? I don't know about you guys, but I'm finally over my sweatpants. I'm not like completely over them, but I'm really trying to spice up my wardrobe, right? I've been wearing sweats for, you know, about a year straight at this point. And I've actually been loving finding more unique pieces and adding those to my wardrobe, which is where Curtsy has come in. I love Curtsy because you're shopping from real women in your size and style. It's so easy to use. And I found some amazing deals. It's nice that it's just women's clothes too. So with the Curtsy app, you get thrift store pieces delivered to your door. No need to sort through thousands of items that just aren't your size or your style. I find Lululemon tops for $20 and Lululemon leggings for $40. I just got a new pair of Align leggings there. $40, guys. The app has all my favorite brands like Nike, Urban Outfitters, Princess Polly, Champion, Free People, and Levi's up to 70% off. Selling clothes is actually such a pain, which is why my closet is always overflowing. But Curtsy has actually made the selling process so easy. Literally anyone can do it. I never know how to price my items, but Curtsy actually suggests a price, which is so helpful. So if you don't have a printer, they'll mail you a shipping label for free, which I also love. And the coolest part is you get to instantly cash out to your debit card. If you want a sustainable way to get Brandy, Urban, Champion, and Lulu delivered directly to your door, download Curtsy today and enter promo code I love you for 15% off your first order. Search for Curtsy in the App Store, spelled Curtsy, which is C-U-R-T-S-Y, and enter promo code I love you for 15% off your first order. Download the Curtsy app and enter promo code I love you. As far as reconciliation goes, because I know you have a really powerful story with both your father and your kids. Well, actually, can we go in really quickly into the story about you and your dad? I think this is one of the most powerful things for so many reasons. But oftentimes, especially when as a child, you have a broken relationship with your parent, it's really easy to blame them because they are the adult. But I think, yeah, God led you to do that. But also like your obedience in doing that and how you handled that is like, honestly, probably one of the most powerful stories I think I've heard. Yeah. My relationship was broken with my father, you know, since um, the time, the last time he came home when I was 14, he was drunk again. He was an alcoholic, came home and, uh, you know, was like stirring up the house. And my, we woke up and my brother, Mike told him, why don't you just get out here and leave us alone? And he pulled out his shotgun and said, said he was going to kill the whole family. Me and my brothers went into action. Me and Ronnie grabbed a, a butcher knife. I grabbed a frying pan. And it could have been a tragedy in my life from the beginning, right that night. You know, had it not been for my mother with that look on her face that she gave us to get out of the house. And she just gave us that like now because she knew that we were serious. And she saw from there that he had put her kids in danger there to do something that probably would have cost their life for a very long time. And our life was just broken for all those years, you know, relationship. There was never a relationship. I hated him for what he did to my mother and what he did to us, you know, the beatings and the rejection and he left us for dead. And there it is. I got saved and the Lord changed my life. And there I was doing ministry, traveling the country, doing ministry all over the place. And here it is. The Lord speaks to me one day on a Friday night, you know, I'm going to do a men's conference on a Saturday in California. I'm in California find out my father's in the hospital in San Diego. So he speaks to me to go down to my father and for me to go down to see him in the hospital. And he tells me, don't say anything about what he did to me. I want you to go repent to him. 
you know, he asked me to go repent to my father and ask my father. I needed to ask my father to give me for keeping him out of my life and my career, keeping him from his grandkids and everything. So I do. I go down there that, that Sunday and I do exactly. I said, you know, the Lord has changed me. I'm a different person. I said, would you forgive me for keeping you out of my life and my career and, and missing your grandkids? And a tear came out of his eye. Kenzie and I just lost it. I just laid there in his lap and I just cried. I just, I was weeping so hard and just, just for a, for a period of time. Then the Lord said, raise up. And then he raised me up and he says, now lead him in a sin of prayer. I said, you know, the Lord has changed me. My life is different. Would you like to accept him? And he was like, yes. He shook his head, said yes. And I says, well, would you repeat after me the sin of prayer? And he repeated the sin of prayer, sin of prayer right after me. And there was, you know, me leading my father, the man that rejected me and left me and my family dead to the Lord. And what the Lord reminded me in that process, he says, first, how dare you not forgive him and I forgave you. And then he said, the forgiveness was not for your father. The forgiveness was for me. No wonder I stayed broken all those years because I would never release him. And I think so many people are in bondage and trapped in and somewhere with somebody that they won't forgive, they won't release, they won't let go. Because when I released him, immediately the Lord set me free and I was able to go on a journey. And then I became this evangelist. I, I was traveling the country and started preaching the gospel like 250 times out of a year. Something I, I wasn't capable of doing, but I had to get set free before God could ever send me like he really wanted to send me. And I think that's for most people, why they're stuck. And they're still, still trying to get to the place that they need to get to, but they won't release someone in their life and ask them to forgive them. Because the forgiveness is not for them. It's usually for us so we can get free. Absolutely. I think there's a weird mindset too with unforgiveness to where if you forgive someone, I think, people have this idea of like, oh, it doesn't matter that it happened or maybe they're getting let off. But exactly what you said, like it's actually hurting you in the process. And the only thing you have responsibility for and the only thing that you can even take ownership of is yourself at the end of the day. So if you're sitting there holding on to things like that makes complete sense. I also think that's like such an incredible and powerful thing to do because it's such a rare case that one, you've ended up where you're at, but also have been able to like walk through that. Another thing I wanted to talk about is just like broken relationships with family and reconciling there, like with kids, things like that. Like, how were you able to walk through that and have great relationships? Because I know that you and Tracy are like pretty open about this. And I think it's, I don't know, I just think it's such a cool thing. Well, I think the most important thing is I had to go back and make amends to a lot of people, you know, the first wife and the second wife and, and six kids, you know, I had to go back and ask them to forgive me. I would tell you know, to the wives, tell them I wasn't a good husband. I wasn't a good father. Tell the kids I wasn't a good father, you know, good husband. I was very selfish and, you know, I did you guys wrong. So that was the first healing part step, you know, and that was a process and that was real hard. You know, there was a lot of tears shared, you know, cause you know, I was, you know, they on, on the mother's side, you know, and, and on my side, you know, to say I was wrong and to be able to admit that. And I think that's where we, in societies today, we're, we're afraid to go there and admit our wrongs to each other. And, but it's a, such a great healing process that will come through that over a period of time, the healing process took place from me and uh, my children and their mothers. And, and just the whole process was, was incredible to be able to go through because now it was no longer, you know, me pointing a finger at and saying they were my problem. You know, I'm admitting to them that I was really the problem and I needed to stand up and take my rightful place. When I actually did that, you know, it, it helped 
it helped them out, but it helped my children out more than anything. And then I think the relationship that I have with my children is, is so incredible because we have a blended family. You know, my, my, my wife is white. Of course, I'm black and we have these mixed kids and all this stuff and we have a blended family. So we all had to come together and it was really hard at the beginning because my girls were really tough. You know, they, they were really strong. They were young, you know, my youngest, not my youngest one, she's still in college right now, but um, Jade was really strong and, you know, and Diamond and, and Alice, they were really strong in the fact that they were here first, you know, and I had to let Jade know that Tracy's my wife and this is the way it is. We're going to be one family. And we all came together and man, it just worked out so good. We got such an amazing family. They all love each other. The kids are you know, all close together and, and they stay in contact and they cheer each other on, you know, in, in life and everything. And that's what you want at the end of the day for your kids, to your kids, no matter what, what other kids come into the play, you know, that, that wasn't a part of the, of the family, you know, like my daughter, Alice, she, she's, she's incredible. She's beautiful. She, the, the kids love her, you know, it's just one big family. We one so we are, but it was for my wife. My wife was able to create this. Let's, bring the family together. We need to bring all of us together. And she kept doing that. And she brought Alice into my life. And she just thought it was important that all the other kids know that Alice was a part of the kid of uh, the family and everything. And, you know, it, it just worked out so well, you know, and you, you gotta be willing, you gotta be willing to get over yourself. I think more than anything to say, you know, the family tree is more important than one, one of himself. Having that bright, smooth, and even-looking complexion has always been a skincare goal of mine, but it's often hard with so much choice to know what the right products are to achieve this. There's so much out there, and it gets so expensive. I'm constantly trying out new products, and I have finally found the brand that both works and doesn't break the bank. All right, if you watch my vlogs, you know how much I've been loving the Inky List. There's truly just nothing like it. The Inky List knows that skincare is personal, and what I love is that they are passionate and committed to empowering people with knowledge to find the right skincare ingredients for your brightest skin. I'm a bit of a skincare nerd, so I love all the details. My two skincare non-negotiables are vitamin C and hyaluronic acid. I already knew I loved their hyaluronic acid, and I'm just as obsessed with their vitamin C. Vitamin C is an ingredient well-known to boost skin's brightness, but the antioxidants can sometimes cause irritation, and that's why I've been loving the Inkyla's 15% Vitamin C EGF Serum as it intensively brightens and regenerates skin whilst being suitable for sensitive skin. I use vitamin C every single day. It's one of my non-negotiables in my skincare routine. Let me break down how these ingredients work together to give your skin double the hit of cellular activity for brighter, more even skin. Vitamin C is an antioxidant that not only protects against environmental stressors, but also stimulates skin cell activity. And with 15% concentration, it will result in visibly more radiant, bright skin without irritation. Plant-derived EFG, also known as epidermal growth factor, helps skin regeneration and supports natural collagen and elastin. So that's why this is my new go-to serum for rejuvenated youthful skin. Want to learn more? Just hashtag Ask Inky 24-7 via live chat on their website or DM them on social media at The Inky List, and one of their skincare coaches will be able to answer all of your questions and help you create a skincare recipe for your brightest skin. Get the glow your skin has been looking for with The Inky List 15% Vitamin C EGF Serum available to shop now on theinkylist.com. Shop the 15% Vitamin C EGF Serum available on theinkylist.com. All right, guys, let's get back to the episode. My family is blended. I grew up with eight siblings, and so... Pretty similar. It's really hard at first. It takes a long time, but 
now, I mean, I'm my entire social life is my siblings. Like I, that's who I talk to 24 seven. That's who I'm always with. And just from being on the, like the side of being the kid of a blended family, I was definitely the stubborn one. I was the one who didn't really want it. I was so mad. My parents got divorced. It was just a very long process, a lot of therapy, a lot of faith, like all of all of the above, but it really is the greatest gift whenever you finally are like, you know what, I, this is like where I'm at and I'm going to not only accept it, but also like invest in those relationships. And now I say that all the time, we lost one of our siblings. And I remember after that, I was like, you know, it's so crazy how for so long, I really, really didn't want any sort of blended family at all. And now as we're like all here together, I'm like, I can't imagine my life without them. Like, it's a totally different thing that took 10 years. But now I'm like, I cannot imagine my life without them. And I'm actually so grateful for how like God has worked through and like in the process and brought everyone together. And it does take time. But I think even what you're saying of like taking responsibility is something that a lot of people try to skip over. And instead of saying like, hey, I'm so sorry, I was wrong. They just kind of try to like, move past to the reconciliation rather than taking responsibility. So I think that's really incredible. Yeah. I mean, you know, we as people, I think, you know, we, we get the tendency of being so selfish and we make it about us. And I started to think about it, you know, and we learned so much, you know, being with God is what if God thought that way about us? What if he rejected us? You know, because we, we messed up so many times, you know, he could have rejected us, you know? So why are we so eager to reject our, our loved ones and that he created for us to be, you know, together with and, and learn to live life together and do life together. And it's the most incredible thing. So many families out there will be missing out on that because they'll never take that step, you know, to bring it, bring it, bring about healing, you know, and, and it's not, it's not our healing. It's God healing that comes in, in the midst of that. No one signed up, you know, to be, to be here, you know, God created us to be here. And so we have, we have to learn to be able to come become that family, you know, even if it's blended or not, even if you don't look like each other, you come from a different place and you find out more than anything that your brothers and sisters are pretty incredible. And I think all my kids have found that out about each other. They just adore each other. And that's a grateful, grateful sight. You know, Tracy boys, she's got three boys and I got six. So we have nine. So we have our own starting nine baseball team mm-hmm. lineup. So I, t- I thought God was pretty creative with that, you know, to give me yeah. a start at nine. So, and, and it's, it's just a wonderful family. And we just, we're so thankful for all, every last one of them. I love that so much. I want to talk about Tracy because she's clearly a superwoman. How did you guys actually originally meet? We met in a convention, Narcotics Anonymous event convention. And she had one year of recovery and I had like five seconds in recovery. And, and she met me at the convention. I told her, you don't want to get involved with me. I, I go through people like a tornado and she thought it was sick, you know, that everybody was hovering over me at the convention, won't want autographs and pictures because of my celebrity status. And she thought, man, this guy is struggling. He's dying, you know, and you guys are wanting pictures and autographs with him. And she was just talking to me and had a conversation with me and we became friends. We, you know, she, she gave me her number and, you know, I started calling and talking to her and then we started dating and, and I, I told her she didn't want to, I said, you don't want to get involved with me. I, I'm just, I'm dangerous. You know, I'm real dangerous. And she always say, you didn't tell me the details of it. You know, you just told me you were dangerous and I was really dangerous, you know, because I was still in addiction and I was still running hard and I was just running through people like crazy and doing whatever I wanted to do to use drugs and, and live a life separated from God. And, and that's how we met. And like I said, she never went back. She stayed once she got clean, she never went back. So she's like 20 coming up on 22 years 
of recovery and um, just a wonderful woman who, who truly loved God and, and loved family. And, and, you know, and she taught me what was really important. It's okay, guys. Hopefully guys are listening to this too. I always tell guys, it's okay to allow a woman in your life to help you and lead you and guide you. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you a better man. See, my life became better because God allowed me to see her and let her lead me into what was important in life and not all the stuff, you know, because uh, I think so many guys get consumed with, I don't have enough stuff because all you're going to do is get more and all you're going to do is look at it. And that's all it's going to be for you. So, you know, real life comes, you know, and, you know, in a very special package. And I think a lot of guys don't know that. When you guys met, were you both like following God at this point or did you guys kind of do that together? She was, you know, and I was, I was, I was far away because I was in the midst of addiction and she was on her journey. She would, she had just become a new Christian and she was following God and we broke up. Believe me, we didn't stay together. You know, we broke up, you know, we were together, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, and, you know, we're living this life and talk about, well, we're going to follow God. And she was like, this is not right. You know, she said, I'm not going to do this. She woke up one morning, we were shacking up, living together. And she was like, I'm not sleeping with you anymore. I goes, what? She goes, I'm not having sex with you anymore. I say, what? She said, no. She says, she said, I'm going to live right for God. She said, I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't know what you're going to do. And I left and went to my sister's house and stayed with her and her three kids in a two-bedroom apartment. I didn't know if I was going to be with Tracy or not. And I went back and got with God and got right. And she got right. And God sent us back together about six months later. And we got married. And we started on the journey together. And we didn't have nothing, but we had each other. We had our faith. And we started walking in our faith together and God built us from the ground up to a whole entire ministry that he has given us, you know, to help the multitude of people. It's incredible when you do it right. And I think a lot of times people don't want to do it right because it doesn't feel good. Yeah, it doesn't feel good, but it doesn't feel good doing wrong either. You know, and I, I realized that I realized living like that, you know, I didn't want to live that way anymore. And she didn't want to live that way anymore. So we wanted to do it right. And we got on the, we got on the board and, and did it together. And, and here we are today, you know, we sit here with a powerful minister. She's a pastor, you know, she's, she's incredible. You know, she works at the church and, and she, she helps the multitude of people. She teaches class, she's a discipleship pastor. She does everything. She helped women, she helped, you know, men, you know, come to learn to disciple them, you know, through classes and, and, and lead them into their destiny. So God has really blessed her with a gift. And I'm so grateful for that. How did you guys actually like practically navigate growing in your faith together? We realized one thing that we, our commitment was church is not an option. We go, you know, that's what a lot of people don't understand. You know, as a couple, we go, you know, and there was at times, you know, when, we, when I first started in that, yeah, you know, she was always going on Sunday. I wanted to stay home. She was like, bye, I'm going to church. She used to leave me. And I was like, I got so mad. I got so I started, so I started going. And then once I started going, I never, never stopped. And the time that we spend together, we have our own separate time of spending our time with God. She wakes up every morning at 530 to this day, 22 years later, still wake up out of bed at 530 to go be with God in early in the morning. She's early morning with God, you know, and I was like, God, I'm not waking up at 530 <laughs> in the morning, you know, <laughs> but that was her journey. That's her journey with yeah. God. So when she's sleeping at night, I'm usually up studying at night. So we have our, you know, our home, home life is study life. You know, where you're supposed to study with God and I get up every day and I turn on worship music and I worship God every day because that's how I enter into God's presence. What worship music do you listen to? I listen to just a little bit of everything. I mean, from old school, from Mississippi choir to songs like I'm still here, order my steps to, you know, Hillsong and Todd Delaney, 
you know, Victory in Jesus. Uh, just so many great songs that I have, you know, on, on my phone to, to enter me into uh, worship every day to start my day off, you know, with, with coffee and, and worshiping God, you know. There you go. Okay, last thing I want to talk about is life now. Like what, what is your daily routine? Well, my daily routine, if I'm not traveling, is like I said, is really one of, once I get up, you know, is to, you know, spend time with God. You know, I'm, you know, nobody's usually home. Um, the wife is usually gone. So, you know, I get to spend quality time at home. And and sometimes I get down in, you know, one of the rooms offside in, in the house, you know, I go in there and I do a lot of studying. You know, I, I write, you know, I write my own lessons, my own sermons, you know, I just study up pour, allow the Holy Spirit to just pour into me and give me information and revelation about, you know, what message that I should bring. You know, there's a lot of different messages I tie together, you know, and I have a lot of different teacher books, you know, of Charles Stanley, Billy Graham, you know, um, Tony Evans, you know, I go down the list of different people who have established themselves as leaders and been leaders, you know, for a very long time. And, you know, they're very strong. You know, I, I don't really, you know, consider, you know, uh, going into other leaders who are not strong. I consider those who have made the way, who have been through something that know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, you know, Jimmy Swagger. I watch him at night, me and Tracy, we love their ministry because it's powerful. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I don't want, I don't want somebody giving me a message just to make me feel good. I need to be empowered by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love that so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can they find you and everyone go order the book? Well, they can go to amazon.com to get the book and they can find our ministry is findingyourway.com. That's our ministry page. And, you know, my wife, and you can go on there. You can get a lot of information and revelation lessons, you know, from her on that. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I absolutely loved having Daryl on. I will have his book, his Instagram, everywhere that you can find him in the show notes below. As always, join the Facebook group, follow the Instagram, subscribe to the podcast, and leave a nice rating and review if you guys enjoyed. I love you guys so much and I will talk to you next week.